You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and this week we are discussing some of the festivals in Ireland that have been moved to a virtual environment and this time of the year the Galway Film Flag will be getting underway and in full swing but like other film festivals it has actually been possible I suppose and easier to move to an online situation and Will Fitzgerald is with me here in studio Will is with the uh, Galway Film Flag uh, he's the festival manager and thanks William, million Will for coming along to start with um, a unique year for the Gal- Galway Film Flat yeah um, we uh, decided to move online after a great deal of deliberation um, you know, we looked at postponing um, but when you think back to the fact that this was you know, back in March or April people had no idea what was going on we didn't know if we were going to end up clashing with the Cannes Film Festival for example if we went ahead because they hadn't announced what their plans were um, and we knew that even if we did postpone, like social distancing would still be in place in some form or another. Um, and the idea of a socially distant festival didn't really appeal to us. Um, it's not really in keeping with our identity um, as a festival. The FLA is known for being very sociable. A lot of meetings take place there. A lot of you know business gets done. So um, the digital option, when it appeared, it, it really we thought this is what suited us best. Um, other festivals have had success with this kind of early on during the pandemic, like uh, CBH Docs in Copenhagen. Um, and so, yeah, we decided to go for it. We thought even though we couldn't be together physically, um, online conversations would be a way for everyone to be able to have the same conversations about the same films if we scheduled it right um, and if we put enough work into you know online engagement with our audiences. So uh, we've gone this far now, and uh, we launched on Tuesday, and um, there's been great buzz since we launched our program last Thursday. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're looking forward to it. We think, um, think it's going to be a, a kind of special festival experience online. Yeah, a week or two ago I did a show and I included the Hot Docs um, in Toronto uh, festival because they had to go online, and there were three Irish movies that I covered on that. Uh, who are going to be screened uh, so yeah the um, ability I suppose of its nature for film to move online is a little easier because also today on today's show we were talking with Liam O'Connor from uh, the Irish trad- Traditional Music um, Archives because of the Willie Clancy Festival that mm. should be running also but films unlike traditional music and being in Galway particularly where traditional music is coming out the doors of every pub you walk past it's a a different um, ethos in a way you go and you sit down and the lights go down and you focus on the screen so I guess it's a little easier that way but technically um, uh, you've probably had to go through a huge learning curve yeah um, we have, you know like you were saying their audience are actually uh, the audiences are quite used to watching films at home and the idea of you know films on demand everyone watches Netflix now so it'll work quite like that and people are used to that idea which is a bonus to us um, but from our side we've never had to worry about things like you know um, digital rights management before um, you know uh, studio grade security for streaming films online um, we were looking at whole new sort of situations with regard to rights and um even just our day-to-day operations, things like communicating with one another when we're not sharing an office, getting um, delivery of materials. Um, it's all been quite a learning curve. Um, 
at the same time, it's been it's quite exciting. You know, um, normally the masses come to Galway, and it's it's wonderful because everyone is here on the the banks of the Carb to you know share this experience together. Um, even though that can't happen, it will be the most accessible it's ever been. People will be able to tune in from you know Belfast, Cork, uh, Cavan, Waterford, Dublin, wherever. Um, to take part in in the flood this year, and I think that's kind of amazing, you know. Um, and there's parts of it as well that you know I'd love to carry with us going forward if we could, um, in terms of the accessibility that it offers, and in terms of the kind of um, the environmental impact it has, which is lessened, you know, without no printed materials this mm-hmm. year, for example. That's that's a great thing. Um, but there's obviously cost and logistical issues to that going forward as well. So yeah, we'll one, one, one of the things Hot Docs um, covered when I talked to them was that it allowed them to, as you, just you've identified, expand their borders. And they have had a geographic limitation in that they were able to extend their borders to the province of Ontario. And after that, and it raises the whole question you raised about digital rights. So, um, how you can literally cut off on a line on a map somewhere and that something is available or isn't. But the other thing that they raised, which I think most you're touching on as well, is that it gives that opportunity in the future to be able to look at your festival not just as something that's in Galway, but has two arms to it. Your, Your physical arm, but your virtual arm. Yeah, I think in an ideal world we would um, we would move forward with that in the future. Um, but again, like I said, there's there's a definitely a cost element. Um, you know, you would kind of think that without all of the costs, things like you know venue costs and travel costs, that it would be much kind of um, cheaper to run a festival online. But it has its own um, pitfalls as well that that do kind of mount up. I don't know if it would be feasible to run both physical and virtual at the same time going forward, but. I'd love to if it was if it was possible, you know. Right. And the thought of an international event, and so we have as well had to, even though for security reasons it's necessary to geolock the festival to the island of Ireland, um, we've also figured out a system so that all of our international delegates who would normally travel to Galway, you know, to do business or to see what's new in Irish cinema, um, can still access the films and can still watch um, and take part. So there, there is an industry vetting process there for uh, people who work in the film business and um, for media who want to cover it. Okay. Um, so we'll still have an international scope while, you know, necessarily being geofenced to the island of Ireland. Okay, so then uh, while you are geofenced in the Ireland of Ireland and uh, under normal circumstances people would come and buy their tickets, um, there is a cost associated with it being in the virtual world. Have you been able to either reduce the cost or um, expand the audience base um, if you, to, to gain more revenue? Uh, we have, I mean, we, we've been able to expand, uh, I suppose, you know, the fact that people can watch from all over Ireland uh, is great. Uh, but again, though, at the same time, um, you know, kind of going back to what you were asking about the, the challenges that we faced and the kind of technical learning that we did, um, you know, after, after a couple of these online festivals um, emerged during the pandemic, a kind of loose set of working rules kind of emerged um, about how it works um, for filmmakers um, and for festivals to work together like this. Um, one of them is the geofencing, which we've talked about. The other is limiting ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, again, you know, you're not um, exploiting the work of the artists who decide to take part in your festival and to who show their films there. 
Um, so even though um, audiences can buy tickets from anywhere in Ireland this year, we're still only selling the same amount of tickets that we would sell at the physical festival. Okay. And we feel like this kind of, it offers the best of both worlds in terms of um, accessibility for audiences, but also longevity um, for the films that premiere here. They'll still have a life after the festival um, and they can still premiere at other festivals, you know, after we've wrapped up in July. The lifeblood of a lot of festivals are the sponsors. Has having to go online presented a challenge in making a business case to your sponsors? Um, not for our core funders um, and supporters, and we're really grateful to them for that because genuinely, you know, people say this every year, but really and truly, we wouldn't be this far if, if they hadn't made the decision to invest um, uh, in this decision that we made. Uh, the Arts Council is our principal funder, um, and they early on committed to still provide us with the funding that we needed, which was amazing. Um, and then we also um, were grateful to uh, Galway 2020 European Capital of Culture, um, who also, uh, through funding our Galway 2020 project, Peripheral Visions, um, you know, made it possible for us to come this far as well. Um, you know, as you're probably aware, 2020 was, or it wasn't going to, almost it was supposed to be, it is the, the European Capital of Culture, but necessarily many of their tenfold events that they had planned for this, what was should have been an amazing year, um, had to be cancelled. And as one of the kind of tenfold festivals in Galway that was um, able to adapt and go online, um, they invested in us heavily as well to make all this possible. So, yeah, we're, we're really grateful to them. So to, to our sponsors, and I should mention as well, you know, I think I kind of touched on it before, the filmmakers, obviously we wouldn't be here without them either. There was trepidation at first. You know, you're asking people to put brand new work, like world premieres online, which immediately it sets off fears in people's head about piracy and other things like that. But I think um, it's a testament to the strong platform that we've built over, you know, 30 years that these a lot of filmmakers decided to come on this journey with us. Um, and we ended up with, even though we have a significantly reduced program, we still have 10 world premieres. Um, we have 39 feature films playing um, at the festival this year, over 70 short films um, that include 34 world premieres uh, in the short section. Um, so it's, you know, I th if, I, if I may say so myself, it's a cracking little program for, uh, for a digital event, you know. Right, right. Um, and of course, you won't know the pain and suffering that you're going to encounter uh, and the teething problems you're going to have until you actually encounter them. Well, this is it. This is it. A fair few have popped up already, but we've... Uh, Whack them on the head as they as they crop up. So the films that you have, uh, predominantly, if not, are they all Irish, or is it predominantly Irish? Um, no, it's um, mostly international as per usual. But um, you know, the festival is known for uh, being the kind of premier platform for new Irish cinema. So there's about forty percent of the program um, is new Irish works. A lot of first features um, in that lineup as well um, from brand new directors. Uh, having their first feature. We have a terrific new Canadian feature called The Curse of Audrey Earnshaw. Um, it's uh, an uh, atmospheric horror film. Uh, we've appropriately um, put it on the schedule late at night where I think viewers will enjoy watching that one. And it's got some great Irish talent in it. Um, Sean McGinley uh, plays the priest in a, a remote Irish settlement um, in Canada where the film is set. It's got uh, Catherine Walker, um, who people might remember from uh, the cellar door a few years back, uh, starring as the mother of a daughter 
uh, who's suspected of witchcraft, and uh, she's played by Jessica Reynolds as well, another an up-and-coming acting talent to watch. So, uh, yeah, a nice, a nice entry from Canada there. And, of course, there is a, a, a partnership arrangement between the film sector in Ireland and in Canada, and there's an awful lot of collaboration. Yeah, um, we should have a lot of Canadian contributors um, at the online marketplace this year as well, and decision makers um, tuning in to see what's new in Irish cinema. Um, we signed the Irish-Canadian co-production treaty at the Film Flag a good few years ago, so um, we're always keen to showcase new Canadian talent as well as uh, new Irish filmmaking talent as well. We've, for the past few years, we've been an Oscar-accredited festival, which means the, um, the winners for two of our short film categories uh, go on straight onto the Oscar longlist, um, and we've added a third one this year. Um, so we're thankful to the, the Academy as well. Not only have they um, changed the rules to allow online festival qualifying films um, to, to qualify for next year's Oscars, but they actually gave us a third category. So now the winners of our Best Live Action, Best um, Animation and Best Short Documentary um, all qualify for the 2021 Oscars. There's um, a whole host, another thing that we did to kind of create the festival experience um, online um, is um, recreate as many of the live events um, as we could. Um, online. So we'll still be doing things like our annual panel discussions um, and debates, uh, conversations with actors and filmmakers. Um, they'll all be happening as either webinar, webinars or live streamed conversations. Um, you know, all of that is, is moving online. So it's, it's six, you know, packed days. Looking down the road, and it's a bit early to be looking to 2021 or 2022, but oftentimes what's coming 2021-2022 is in the pipeline at the moment and the current situation would be limiting the movie industry from actually producing product. Um, are you sensing or hearing anything along that line? Um, it's not as yet. I think, I think we're all concerned about it and aware that it's coming down the track. Um, but I suppose that there's two sides being balanced um, here, which is the, the exhibition side of the business and uh, production. So uh, my fear is that we're going to face a sort of glut of new movies coming out as, as soon as um, restrictions are further relaxed and cinema going starts becoming a regular thing again. Um, but then we'll shortly run into a drought of new content. But we get caught up to the point in time where productions had to shut down um, and things stopped getting made. So it's really hard to say um, what, you know, Flat 2021, for example, um, is going to look like. I think festivals in the early half of next year will probably benefit from their uh, time on the, on the calendar, um, and they'll be able to uh, exhibit a lot of the new films that whose plans were probably scuppered for the latter half of 2020. But then the latter half of 2021, who knows if we'll be looking down the barrel of that drought. It's actually, it's actually going to... I think it'll come down to festival programmers a lot to really earn our salt and to dig harder and deeper for those, you know, new discoveries and those um, those gems, those diamonds in the rough that probably otherwise, you know, wouldn't get a look in on a, on the festival circuit. Right. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting, and we're we're going to talk about that topic um, at the FLAB this year as part of those series of panel discussions that I mentioned. Um, we'll have you know distributors from the US, the UK, and Ireland, and all over Europe. Uh, discussing what production is going to look like in a post-pandemic landscape and what distribution is going to look like in the future as well.
And from a festival perspective, you during the year regularly probably would have been um, going to other festivals or doing your research, and that has been restricted also. Yeah, um, I think a lot of us, you know, missed out on our annual trip to Cannes this year. Um, it's a great chance to uh, meet with your peers uh, in the industry from around the world. Um, and I would normally take home a lot of new films from the marketplace there for the lineup in Galway. Um, this year, that sadly didn't happen. Uh, we were fortunate enough uh, that we got to visit the Berlin Film Festival this year, just before the pandemic really hit in Europe. Um, which was is always a terrific experience, um, and of course the next major tentpole on the on the calendar um, would be in in Canada would be the Toronto International mm-hmm. Film Festival, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a kind of hybrid festival for this year. So I think a lot of us in the in the industry are really interested to see um, how that pans out. Um, you know, I was there last year, and sadly won't be there this year. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame because you know obviously the the um, global outlook is a huge part of uh, the art of cinema and why we love it so much. And festivals really foreground that a lot. Um, and um, it's been missing a lot from 2020. Indeed. Well, we should wrap up and let you get on with your, your day. And I really appreciate you taking the time and wish you every success in the coming week with the festival. And that when you sit down to do the post-mortem, that you're able to say and tick all the boxes and say, yeah, we thought this one through and it happened the way we <laughs> We, we hoped. Me too. Thanks so much, Austin. Cheers for talking to me.